In this tape, Jim talks about the different spiritual pathways, and he explains the pathway that ILM is presenting, a universal and simple pathway of going inside and connecting back to that which is. Please note that Jim refers to the third eye when he talks about the seat of the soul and hold your attention here or focus here, and when he speaks of the upper room, the higher place, or the tenth door. Well, let me go in a little bit more about what we're doing with meditation and what ILM is doing as far as the type of meditation technique that it is sharing and why is it sharing this particular technique. And to do that, I'm going to give you a little bit of a understanding of the pathway. Throughout history, there has been a truth that has been presented to all of humanity. It's one truth, it's one path, it's one way, it's one opportunity, if you will, that spirit is ever offering humanity. But not all of humanity is prepared and ready for this opportunity. And I'm going to do a little bit of an explanation as to why that is and what this path is and what it offers and why it's different from so many of the other pathways in the world. We have, as I've talked about before, the path of evolution. The path of evolution is a pathway that is outward focused. When the soul comes in to these realms of existence, when the soul extends itself out of the realm of soul, out of the realms of pure spirit, and down into the realms of matter, it first connects into the mind. And the mind becomes an instrument, a tool of the soul. But after a while, the mind begins to wrap around the soul and becomes quite powerful in its nature and in its effect with the soul in these levels of matter. But that's fine with the soul because the soul wants experience here. And the only way it can truly experience is to experience through an instrument that is a part of this creation of matter to have experience. And the mind is that. You might look at it this way. The mind is like the soul of matter. It's one of the highest elements of knowing or awareness that exist in the realms of matter. But it is impermanent. It is temporary where the soul is not temporary or impermanent. It is forever. It is never changing. The soul is never changing. It is perfect and whole, complete right now. The only thing the soul is doing through these experiences is gaining greater understanding and wisdom and knowing and the ability to be a greater creator, a co-creator with God. And in order to do that, it had to extend itself out of these realms of perfection and into the realms of imperfection, into these realms that are temporary, into these realms that are matter for this experience. And as it comes 
into these realms of matter, it gets caught up in the process of evolution. Evolution is an action of going down and out. It's an outward focus. It's an outward movement. It's an outward movement to move out into creation at this level for experience. The way it looks in spirit is that as the Holy Spirit comes in to the levels of creation and begins to extend itself out to create, it goes out through centrifugal force. And centrifugal force throws you out to the rim, to the outer edge. And that's what the soul wants to do. It wants to go down and out to the most outer edge of this evolutionary experience in matter so that it can learn and experience all that there is here to know. And so this process of down and out is a natural process, if you will, call it natural, for the soul to move into and to experience. But what happens in this downward and outward movement is that the divine spark that is here, that has come down from the soul, begins to lose sight of where it came from. And it begins to associate itself more with the mind and then all that the mind is experiencing here. And it begins to believe itself to be more that as it looks down and out for experience. And after a while, the mind believes and the soul believes one and the same. This is who I am. I am mine. Now, I'm not talking about the perfected soul, but that divine spark. If you have the realms of pure spirit and you have here soul, you might look at it as though here is one soul. And in that soul, a divine spark that is the knowing of God. That knowing of God extends down into matter in order to have experience and goes out to have experience through evolution. What the soul does is it doesn't just come down and move into a physical body of a human nature. It comes down and it begins slowly to move down through the frequencies of creation of matter and have experience. It moves down into the mind. Eventually, after going through all the different levels of that realm, it begins to extend itself down into the realms of emotion, on down into the imagination, and eventually down into the physical. But when it comes down into the physical level, it moves through the process of evolution. It is a part of the learning experience to go into all that is here, to experience it all. So it moves along the line of evolution and moves in and experiences the ethereal kingdom, the mineral kingdom, the plant kingdom, the animal kingdom, and eventually moves into the human. Now, the divine spark itself does not inhabit a stone or a tree or a dog or a cat. But the divine spark does 
dwell within you. You are a living temple of God. These other elements in matter that the soul goes into and have experience in does not have an indwelling spirit the way you do. You have the indwelling spirit of God living within the temple that you are right here at the seat of the soul. In the mineral kingdom, in the plant kingdom, in the animal kingdom, the indwelling spirit dwells outside of the matter that it is having experience with and through in that evolutionary process. So who we are in this time as humans is very sacred and very unique. And it is something to look and realize that this is an honored place to be in as a soul awakening, a soul experiencing, a soul coming into the knowing of itself. And in that way, beginning to leave the process of evolution and moving on up in involution. So the soul comes down through the action of the divine spark and comes down through evolution to experience all that is in the realm of matter until eventually down here somewhere in a human form the soul realizes in its own nature that it has experienced everything that there is to experience in matter and that there really is nothing more to learn, to experience, to know. But what happens is that this awareness takes place unconsciously, not so consciously, because the divine spark has now become so addicted to matter and to the sensual nature that the soul experiences matter through that it identifies itself more through the senses and through matter. But somewhere in the consciousness that is the divine that is dwelling within you, there is a knowing that you have done what you needed to do, that you wanted to do. You are complete in this process of evolution. And now it is time for that divine spark to begin its journey homeward, to begin the return process. That process is a process of coming back, returning. And it's a process not any longer of looking out, but it's a process of beginning to look in, to look inside. Where before our learning was out here, and so we were ever having our eyes open and searching and trying to find where's the answer? Who's the person? Where's the gold? Or whatever it is that we were searching for out here that would bring us solution and answer and fulfillment. We now begin to search inside. And that's the process of involution. We begin the process of the return. That process, as I said before, as the process begins, it's more of a centrifugal force where it throws it out. This is a centrifugal force where it begins to pull in and you begin to go inside and that's involution. So you begin to draw your attention back up from where you came. 
It's a gradual process. Evolution was a gradual process. It took you eons of time to go through all the realms of the mind, all the realms of the causal or the emotional, all the realms of the imaginational, and to begin the process of moving into physical matter at this level. And this process of evolution also takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen where all of a sudden you go, okay, I'm done, I'm out of here, good night, goodbye, I'm gone. It's a gradual process. So why is it gradual? Why, if we're done right here, right now, I've done it all, I've been it all, I don't need to do it all anymore, why is it that it doesn't just come to an end and we go back home? Because we have yet lessons to learn. We, in this process of evolution, have created for ourselves certain belief systems, attitudes, ways of being, and some of these work for us and some of them don't. But we keep repeating them anyway. Even when they don't work, we keep repeating them. We keep hoping that if we do it enough, it'll change. Somehow it'll just happen finally the way we want it to happen. If I just eat enough chocolate cake, I'll lose the weight. I just know I've got to eat enough. And then somehow my body's just going to shift and I'll lose the weight. It's called somewhere in this process of moving from evolution to involution, we begin to take more personal responsibility for our own thoughts, for our feelings, for our imagination, and for our physical creation. We begin to take more personal responsibility. So we begin to look and evaluate, does this thought really work for me? Where did I get this thought? Did my mother teach this to me? Yeah, she taught it to me, and I've always done it that way because that's how our family does it. But does it work for me? Well, no, that's not how I would do it. Well, wait a minute, then how would I do it? I've got to begin to find that for myself. A very simplistic example of this is I was living in Hawaii, and everybody kept saying, wow, Hawaii, paradise, you live in the greatest place. You know, you're so fortunate. But every day that I would get in the car to go to the grocery store, or I'd be going to the bank, or I'd be going doing something in the islands in Hawaii, I'd be driving along, and I'd be talking to myself going, I can make this work. I can make this work. I know I can make this work. Not realizing what I was even doing. But I was doing everything I could to convince myself that I could make this work, because everybody was telling me, wow, you're in paradise. There's no better place to live. So I'm going, okay, I'm in paradise. There's no better place to live. I can make this work. You know, until one day I was pulling into the grocery store and I was having to wait for a parking place because in Hawaii, parking is almost impossible. There's not enough parking places for all the people on the islands. So you pull into a parking lot and you just pull up and wait until somebody in front of you along the line pulls out. And then you pull in, and then the next person behind you waiting pulls up a little bit further, and they get the next parking place. So I'm waiting there, 
and I'm talking to myself, you know, I can make this work. I know I can make this work. And all of a sudden I go, wait a minute. Why do I have to make this work? <laughs> you know, I don't have to make anything work. If I have to make it work, I don't want to be here. That's too much work. I want to be where I'm happy. I want to be where it's easy. And I looked inside and I said, where's that? Where, where am I happy? Where is it easy? Where do I want to be? And all of a sudden I realized I wanted to be back here in Texas. So I went home and I said, you know, I'm moving to Texas. I'm moving back. We're going to sell this house and we're moving. And people started talking to me and both in Hawaii and calling me going, are you crazy? You're leaving Hawaii? Can I come over there and live instead? And at first, there was a struggle inside of me because I thought, well, I should, I should stay. This is beautiful. This is where everybody wants to be. Why don't I want to be here? But then every time I would go back into that pattern, I'd go, I can make this work. And then I realized the misery of that. That's kind of what I'm talking about. There's a part of us that is living down here going, I can make this work. I know I can. If I just do it right, I can make this work. I can make it okay. I can make it peaceful. I can make happiness here. It will work. I can make it work. I don't know if you've ever had that sensation, but I have in Hawaii and I have in this creation. I can make it work. If that's going on inside of you, there's another voice behind it going, I know where you really want to live. And I'm the one who can tell you. Not I, Jim Gordon, but I, the spirit inside of you, that which is truly you, knows where you came from and knows where you're going eventually. You're all going to return back into the purity of spirit that you are. That's inevitable. But you are just possibly waking up to that inevitability that realization that that's who you are and where you're going. But in this process of this awakening down here and beginning to turn from the outer focus to the inner focus, you begin to see that there's some things that you have to begin doing differently. Because no longer can you be outward focused and blaming everybody for everything in your life. Well, it's her fault and his fault and their fault and its fault and it no longer can be that way. Because as you begin to let go of that outer focus and move towards this path of involution and the energy begins to turn toward you and in you and you begin to look inside, you go, okay, it's really all about me. I've got to make these changes. I've got to do it differently. And that's one of the first signs that you have begun to move in this path of involution. You begin to realize that if I want change in my life, I'm the one to create the change. I do no longer complain or put blame on others. I no longer blame myself or complain to myself, but rather I look to see how I can bring change so that I can have more of what I want in my life. I take responsibility for my thoughts, for my feelings, for my imagination, and for what I do with my body in action and reaction. And also what you find 
is you become more contemplative. You begin to contemplate or dwell on things more. You begin to look at your life. And you begin to look and see, what did I want to do? Where did I want to go? What did I want to accomplish? And you begin to let go of those things that no longer work for you, no longer serve you, that you're no longer going to really go after to fulfill. And you begin to simplify your life. And in that simplicity, you begin to align yourself more to the true self. The true self is the simplest quality, the simplest thing you will ever know at this level or any level of creation. It is just so simple. All that you are as this divine spark is pure love. Pure, pure love. But I should put it this way. You are pure loving, not love. Love is now and then it's done. Loving continues on and you continue on. There is never a moment that you are not because you exist in the purity of that loving beyond moment, beyond time, in the allness that is. And in truth, there is no moment, there just is and that's all there is. And until you wake up to that, it's a lot of words. And until you begin to experience this transitional point from evolution to involution, this is just a lot of words. But if you are in this process, somewhere inside, you're going, I understand that. Oh, I know that. Oh, I've had that experience. Or I feel that. Or I see that. And one day, you will wake up, if you haven't already done so, and experience that place that is, that is eternal, and that is you, in that eternal moment. So, that that is you is loving. And it's the simplest quality that exists here. But when we start looking down and out, that loving becomes diffused, like a prism breaks up light into many different colors. That quality that is truly us, our divine loving, our divine flow of spirit that we are, begins to get diffused throughout all these elements of matter. It begins to diffuse through the mind and the qualities of the different qualities of the mind. It begins to diffuse even more through the emotions, even more through the imaginational realm, until finally it gets down here and it is just fractured. And we're ever going around this world trying to put the pieces together. Well, now if I can just get this piece and this piece to fit, then maybe I can get this one to fit and then I can see what I'm supposed to really be doing here. But the thing is, we don't even know where all the pieces are. We don't know what they look like. We don't know anymore how to put it all together. And so we live this life that has all these different parts to it. In the morning, you may have certain things that you do that you don't do any other part of the day. 
So in the morning, this is who you are. Then around noontime, you do these things that you don't do any other time of the day. And so this is who you are during this time of the day. And then in the evening, you do these things that you don't do any other time of the day. And so this is who you are now. So then who are you? Are you morning, noon, or night? Well, I don't know. It depends upon what my watch tells me. Oh, it's nighttime, so I'm night. But I'll be morning in the morning. We live in this timeline that is this level of creation. And in this timeline, we have these different aspects of ourselves that show up throughout time. So in the morning, we are the one brushing our teeth. In the afternoon, we are the one at the dentist getting fillings. And in between, we're the one working. And in the evening, we're the ones preparing to go to bed. We're all these different parts of ourselves. But also in that, we are the one that is looking in the mirror, brushing our teeth in the morning, judging ourselves because we've lost more hair or because we've got more gray hair or because we didn't grow another two inches like we were supposed to last night while we were asleep. Someday I'm going to be six foot two, but I don't know how many days it's going to take. <laughs> Considering as I get older, I seem to be getting shorter. <laughs> so how that's going to happen, I don't know. So I look in the mirror and I judge myself for that. So in the morning I'm judging myself. Then later on I'm at work and I'm looking at these people and all of a sudden I'm realizing that they're judging me. And I'm looking at them going, why are they judging me? Why are they looking at me? What did I do to them? I didn't do anything to them. And then I get mad at them because they're judging me. And then they look at me and they go, What's wrong with you, Jim? You know, I just came in to say hi, and do you want to have a cup of coffee? And all of a sudden, you're jumping down my throat. Well, I thought you were judging me. No, no, I just have a little headache, and I guess I was frowning. Well, it sure looked like you were judging me. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, to go into that. But do you see what I'm saying? We have all these different parts of ourselves that run us, that do us. It's time now, as we move into this process of involution, to begin to look at all those things and realize that is not us. All those things that we live and do and believe, that is not us. We are something other than all of that. If we will allow ourselves to be loving, to be the divine spark of God that we are, just as we were a few moments ago in the meditation, living instruments of love in this level, if we will become just living instruments of loving and be the loving and love ourselves because we lost an inch last night and didn't gain an inch and love ourselves because people are judging us or not judging us and love them, let the loving move continually and begin to love all that, you'll begin to see all these things melt away, drop away, that really do not work for you, but rather work against you and create more separation from your own truth, the truth of the divine that you are. 
And as these things begin to drop away, you'll begin to see what remains, some beautiful jewels that have been hidden, that have been hidden for so long. Jewels of the soul that are just waiting for the opportunity for the light to hit them so that they can truly sparkle and glisten and shine into this universe and into all of creation. But they've had so many things encrusted upon them that they aren't able to shine. Those qualities of the divine that you are are not able to shine because of all the mind, the emotions, the imagination that has been put upon it, that has encrusted it. But as you begin to move in this involution process, and you begin to let go of the belief that you are the mind, and let go of the belief that you are all these emotions, and you let go of the belief that you are all these things that you imagine to be, all of a sudden, this incrustation falls off of that divine spark. And that inner light begins to shine brightly. And the qualities of that inner light these divine jewels that reside with you will begin to glow brightly and be brilliant into all of creation. And those qualities are forgiveness, acceptance, peace, joy, enthusiasm, creativity, abundance, prosperity. I mean, it goes on and on and on. All these jewels that are of the soul, the qualities of the soul. But the true essence of the soul is loving, loving. You are divine, living, loving sparks of God. You are the divine, living, loving essence of God. And that is what we're moving towards. So this pathway of evolution and this pathway of involution is something that all of us are walking. But some in humanity are still moving down and out in evolution, while others are beginning to approach this place of transition from evolution to involution. And others now are moving upward in involution back to where they came from. We're not all walking the same path at the same time. It's all according to God's time, not ours. And so in this pathway, in the path of evolution, we have a lot of different assistances, if you will. I don't even want to call them personages or beings. I guess you would call them beings more than anything else. Because we have angels, we have archangels, we have guides and teachers, we have all these different aspects of assistance along this path of evolution that is working to assist us in balancing and understanding and learning and growing. And a lot of what that assistance is about is about balancing karma. Karma is unlearned lessons. 
If you don't learn it in this lifetime, don't worry. You can learn it the next lifetime. And if you don't learn it that lifetime, don't worry. You can learn it the next lifetime. That's part of the laws that we, as we moved into the realms of matter, allowed ourselves to become involved in. The laws of karma, the law of learning about the positive and the negative of this creation, but also the law of reincarnation. Now, in truth, it isn't reincarnation. It really is a process of re-embodiment. You incarnate once. The first incarnation is here when that divine spark moves into matter. That's the first incarnation where it comes down into matter and begins to be involved in the mind. And then it goes through many re-embodiments. It re-embodies many times throughout all these different levels of creation down into the physical. And then we just keep re-embodying. All the time learning and growing and coming into the greater knowing of ourselves as spirit, as divine. And along that path of evolution, we do need assistance. We individually and we collectively need assistance. And so we do have all this assistance helping us along the way. Angels and archangels, guides and teachers, the hierarchies of the different planets, the bodhisattvas, they're all walking to assist. But what are they really assisting? What is their purpose and goal and mission? It's to keep working with karma. They are working with balancing karma. Now what is karma? Well, when Adam and Eve was in the Garden of Eden, they had all the trees, all the fruit that they could eat of, except for one that was in the center of the garden, and that tree they could not eat of. It was the tree of good and evil, the tree of knowledge the tree of polarity, positive and negative. Well, we took a bite of the fruit, and now we're down here learning about apples. <laughs> we're learning all about apples and oranges and all this stuff that has to do with polarity, positive and negative, yes and no, good and bad, right and wrong. That is what all the assistance is helping us in this evolution. Evolution has to do with going down and out into the realm that has to do with polarity and learning about polarity. And so we go down and out and we create good karma, good unlearned lessons, and bad unlearned lessons, if you will. And they're not good and bad, positive and negative, it's polarity. And one way to look at it is the good side is where you have been holding more loving for others, but maybe you haven't held loving for yourself. And so now those people that you held loving for are now going to come back and love you that you might begin to love yourself. And that would be a good karma. Over here in 
the negative polarity, the bad side, you came down and you placed judgment on other people. And because of that judgment, they live lives of separation and difficulty and darkness and hardness. And so now you're back in life and they come back to you to give back to you that which you gave them. So they're giving back to you judgment and hardness and difficulty. Not because they're mean, but because that's the way the law of balance has to work. That's trying to balance the scales. In Egypt, it's very interesting. When a person dies, they go before the Lord of Judgment. And as they stand before the Lord of Judgment, there's a scale. And this scale has the feather of truth and your heart. And according to how this scale balances, determines what level you're going to go to in the afterlife. If the feather of truth and the heart balance, you're going to have a great afterlife. But if the feather is too light and the heart is heavy, you're going to go into the underworld and be eaten by the crocodile god. This was part of their tradition, their religion, of how they taught polarity. This was the teaching of polarity and looking at balancing. It's called that the heart must be equal to the truth. It must balance in loving because the truth is loving. So it's all about polarity and that's what the assistance that we often hear about and talk about and look toward out here is all about. They are out here, they are outside of us, and they are working in the outer realms to bring balance to these karmas that exist in creation at these levels. But in involution, there's something that begins to happen. And it's very wonderful, but it's also very much a wonder as to what does happen. When we begin to look inside of ourselves, when we stop looking outside and look inside, guess who's in here? You. You're the one in here. There aren't angels and archangels and guides and teachers and masters and bodhisattvas in here. They're out there. In here, there's you. You're your own guide. You're your own way shower. You're the one who's going to bring balance and harmony to the karmas that are yet to be balanced. It's now up to you. It's not looking out there and saying, okay, God, send your angels in. We're ready. I want some help here. Got to get this balance in my life. Now, where's those masters of hierarchy? Where do they live? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to climb that mountain over there in the Himalayas, and, and they better be there because I've got to get some help. And there are people that do that. There are people that go to the Himalayas. There are people that go to Mount Shasta. There are people that go to these different places looking for outer 
teachers and outer focus and outer assistance. And that's fine as long as you're in that evolutionary path. That is what you're going to do. In the evolutionary path, we look for the sacred places. We look to the mountains. We look to the sacred rivers. We look to the buildings called mosque and church and temple. We look outside of ourselves for the sacred. But when we go into this inner involution path, we look inside. We begin to look and say, you know, it's not out there. It's in here. But also, those teachers that you used to find helpful out there and the angels and all that, they're not in here. You're the one in here. The divine is in here. So this pathway begins to be very simple, very quiet, and very different. No longer do you look outside and go, okay, angels, come on. But rather, you look inside and say, now, how can I do this different? What am I doing that isn't working, and how can I let go of that and do something different so that this does work, that this does change, that this does serve me to my higher good, does serve others to their higher good? And you begin to do things from a place of personal responsibility, loving, and the actions that go with that loving, called forgiveness, acceptance, and so on. So that which we are doing in Interlight Ministries is a pathway that is not unique. It is found in many places in the world. And yet, the one who is walking inward now is beginning to walk the path of involution, they are the ones that have to find it. These pathways are not advertised in the world. There's not big signs all over the place that say, over here, over here. But rather, you've got to find the signs inside of you that say, over there, over there. And that lead you to like energy, where you can begin to get a greater understanding of who you are and what this inner pathway is all about. We in Interlight Ministries present a teaching that is universal. It is one pathway that is a pathway of loving. It is a pathway of truth. Throughout time, it has been called many things. The path, the way, the truth, the light, the sound, the grace of God, the winds, the winds of time. It has a lot of different names that it has been called, but mostly it is the path or the way. This pathway is an inner pathway. It has nothing to do with evolution, it has nothing to do with the masters of hierarchy or angels or teachers outside. It has everything to do with the divine spark that is in you and you connecting back to that and awakening to that and then traveling as that divine spark on up to your own soul and uniting and connecting back here 
once again in the fullness, in awareness, in the wakefulness, in the knowing of who you are, in the whole being of God, and still be living down here and fulfilling that here as well, and living that and manifesting that at this level. So this pathway is a very simple pathway inward of closing your eyes and going inside and connecting back to that which is. Now, that which is, is one of the translations of one of the spoken names of God. When Moses was at the top of the mountain and the burning bush told him to go to Egypt and to free his people, to free and bring out the slaves. Moses turned to the burning bush, to the voice that was speaking to him, and said, well, who do I say sent me? That voice said, tell them, I am that I am. That is who sent me. I am that I am. That can also be translated as that which is. That same Hebrew word can also be translated as that which is. And that is what we are waking up to. I am that I am, or that which is, is what we are moving into awakening. So, this pathway is also the path of light and sound, the path of liberation, the sound current, the ringing radiance. It has a lot of names. But it's one way, one practice, a simple technique of sitting down and chanting the names of God inside and building up the power of the name and letting that power of the name lift you back up into the fullness of yourself and soul. And it is not looking down and out. It is looking back inside and up. You look in and you look up to the seat of the soul, and you hold your attention here. And the way you hold your attention here is by chanting and creating a frequency of loving, creating a place where God and you can become one, and that you can know that. It's up to you to create a place. Invite me in, God says, and I will come. And once we have prepared a place and God does come to visit, God then says, well, now come on. Let's go to my region. Let's go back home to where you came from. And God and you go hand in hand back up through all these different realms that you evolved through. You now are going to involve yourself through with loving back to God, with God, back into soul, and from soul back into the realms of spirit, pure love. So this practice is a simple practice that you begin in your own daily life, and it's up to you to do it. No one can do it for you. When you're walking the paths of the psychic, which you find in evolution, When you walk the paths of religion and the outer religious practices, you find that there are those that will do it for you. 
The psychics will tell you how to live. Oh yeah, I know what's wrong with you. I haven't lived your life. I don't know you. But I can tell you everything about your life and I can tell you exactly what you need to do and what you're doing wrong. And we will give our power over to them and say, okay, what do I do? What do I do? Well, divorce your mate. Get all their money. Then give me some of that money. Oh, well, we'll talk about that later. And, but that's the game of the power, giving our power away to the world in evolution, of looking outside of ourselves for the solution. In the involution, we began to be the power source. We no longer look outside of ourselves for the solution, for the answer, for the way to do our life. We look inside and we become the power. And as we begin to focus inside, we first will confront a lot of our belief systems that really don't work for us. And we will do all we can to avoid them. They may cause us to go into depression or anxiety or fear. But ultimately, we will find a way if we will hold long enough in that meditation to move on through them and loving and that loving will transform them and we will begin to rise up above that darkness, that fear, that depression and into the experience of the inner light. We no longer are looking to the outer light to be able to see in the darkness. We will now look and find that inner light, that divine spark and begin to let the inner light lighten our path, shine in us and through us and around us and guide us. And that light will be the one that will lead us from within as we see our way through these realms with that inner light. So by holding our attention here and chanting the hue or the anti-hue, we begin to create a frequency. Now, there's another frequency that we find on the path of evolution that is often spoken of and used and is very, very effective. And it will open the third eye up to the second level of itself. There are three levels of the third eye. The first level of the third eye looks down the second level of the third eye looks out, and the other level of the third eye looks up. This looks down into the world. This looks down into the other realms of the world, which is the imaginational, the emotional, and the mind. And this part of the third eye looks up into the spirit, is ever looking up to the divine spark. When we are on this evolutionary pathway, we often will first find ourselves in religions and in outer practices of prayer and worship to bring peace to ourselves and to feel as though somehow we have brought balance between ourselves and God. And that serves us for a long time. But somewhere in our existence, that outer focus and that outer action doesn't quite do it. And we might find ourselves leaving religion and looking for something more. And all of a sudden, 
we begin to hear about these other practices. I talked about the 12 churches that exist in this lower creation and the one church, this church of involution that I'm talking about, that will ultimately take you back to God. The 12 churches are all outer focus. Even those that sit you down in a chair and have you close your eyes and go inside, they still are going to take you out, ultimately, into the path of evolution through this second level, which is the psychic. Now, when you chant Om, and a lot of us know that from hearing Eastern traditions and Eastern meditations, Om Mani Padme Om, praise to the jewel of the lotus within. Om Mani Padme Om, 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 and we just keep chanting the Om. Do that for a minute. Close your eyes, and let's do that three times. And when we do it, feel the vibration, and feel the frequency, and feel where it is in your body that it vibrates. So just close your eyes, and we'll begin. Om. feel the frequency and the vibration? For the most part, the frequency is from here down. And it's the lower part of this center that vibrates on down into this region of the body. If you practice that for a while, you would find, for the most part, your whole body, the lower part of your body would vibrate but you would also feel it very strongly right here. And what that OM does is it begins to draw your attention out of matter and up to the lower level of the third eye. And that's the level that takes you through the psychic realms, through the psychic door. And that's where often people talk about the third eye and being able to see auras and see angels and see things and do prophecies through the third eye that is all having to do with the psychic realm. And that frequency, the Om, will definitely connect you to that and give you that experience if that's what you're looking for. But just be aware that is all a part of evolution and all a part of the downward focus. And there's nothing wrong with that. It serves us all to a great benefit, just as it used to serve us to do human sacrifice. And all of us in some lifetime performed and did or were a human sacrifice. Then human sacrifice was done away with. We didn't need that anymore. God would accept a goat instead. So... You got the old goat. No, you, no I'm sorry, you got a lamb. Didn't want an old goat. Got a lamb, and you sacrificed the lamb, and God was happy with you. You didn't have to kill a person anymore. 
You didn't have to kill your firstborn. You had to kill the firstborn lamb of the season for the sacrifice. So with this process of evolution, we all walk through all of this, experiencing it all. And this psychic realm is also a part of that. And if we haven't been there, we are going to go there. We are going to walk through that to have the experience of it, to have the understanding of it, so that we will not judge it, we will not fear it, but we will also not believe it to be the ultimate. I have talked to people that are very psychic, that have lived their lives as psychic for a big part of this lifetime, and they are tired. They are tired of the psychic. They want more, but they don't want to give up the psychic, and they don't want to give up the title of psychic, and they don't want to give up the praise that goes with being psychic to have more. So they continue to dwell there instead, even though there's a part of them now that is longing to go higher. When you begin to go higher, you go into a different frequency. Om is a frequency. It's a sound. It's a frequency. And with that frequency is also a light, a color. And that will take you into these realms. A higher frequency is hue or anti-hue, and it begins to take you into these realms. So let's do that. Let's just hold our focus once again. But this time, hold your focus, hold your attention here at the third eye, up at the top of the third eye, if you will, as we do the hue, and begin to see what that feels like. Now, I don't know if it was this way for you, but for me, that's a much more subtle energy than Om. Om encompasses and involves more of that of evolution and of the world. And Hue is a much more subtle frequency, but it's up here that it vibrates. It doesn't really do a lot down here. It doesn't vibrate all these different chakras down here it vibrates up and it begins to hold your attention up, up to God, up to the upper house, upper chamber. Now, when Jesus was with his disciples, his apostles, and he was going to celebrate Passover, he had his apostles go and have someone prepare a place for the Passover dinner. And it was in the upper room that they went to partake of this meal with Jesus. This is the upper room that I'm talking about. When you begin 
to get into that frequency, you begin to go up into the upper room. And the Bible is so symbolic. And if we can begin to understand the symbology of it, that is talking about going into the upper room and partaking of the Passover meal is, in other words, coming into communion with God, coming into communion with spirit in that place of our own divinity. Now, the Passover is a celebration of a time when the angel of death passed over the house of those houses that had been marked with the blood of the Lamb, and the Hebrews had marked their door so that the angel of death would bypass them and only go to the houses that were not marked, and then the firstborn died in each household. Well, this is your doorway. And by chanting that, you place the mark of the lamb. You place the mark of sacrifice. You're sacrificing the outer to live in the inner. And with that mark, the angel of death passes you by. Oh, am I going to be eternal? I'm going to be in this body? Well, wait a minute. I'm not six foot two. Maybe I'll do it the next lifetime. (laughs) What I'm talking about is not the angel of death passing over you physically, where you're not going to die physically. But the angel of death is that which is the Lord of this creation. The Lord of this creation has a lot of different names. Yama, Kalnaringen, Lucifer, Beelzebub, Baal. He has a lot of different names. But he is the Lord and God and creator of this lower creation of matter. And he, as Yama, is the Lord of death. And his process of life and death is a way of keeping you here in his creation. And here, having to come back again and again in re-embodiment. So, the Lord of karma, the Lord of creation, the Lord of death, oversees this process of evolution as you come through it and has complete dominion over you. And so as you pass through this cycle of evolution, you also are under his domain. And part of what goes on there then is he says, for every action there's a reaction. You have to bring it all into balance before I will let you go. Once you brought all this into balance and your scales are balanced, you can go to paradise. You can go back to God, but not until you bring that into balance. And until then, I have complete dominion over you. And part of that dominion is I give you life and I give you death. When you begin this process of involution and you begin to walk the one way, remember, there are the 12 churches, or the 12 yugas, or the 12 yogas. Over here, there is the one, the way, the path, the truth. And as you begin to move inward and begin to walk this pathway, and you begin to create through the inner frequency by chanting the name of God inside, and this mark is placed on this door, 
when the angel of death comes, he looks at you and he goes, oh, I can't touch you. So what happens? How come? What is that about? When you begin to walk this pathway, you are drawn to someone in the world, in the physical, who can assist you in understanding this pathway and who can give you the keys to the kingdom, give you the keys to the inner, inner kingdom. Now, if you want the keys to the outer kingdom, you've got to go to the Mercedes dealership or you've got to go and talk to one of the builders of a house or you've got to go down to the bank and get a loan so you can afford all these keys. But if you want the keys to the inner kingdom, you have to go somewhere where those keys are available to you. And those keys are given through the action of the Holy Spirit. They are placed in the world in a safe place for safekeeping, and they are given out to those that are ready to receive them. And those keys to the kingdom are the unspoken names of God. It was very interesting because this morning I was up, I always get up early, it seems like, to do my meditation. So I got up at 2.30 and I was meditating upstairs and I was in a pretty good place of meditation. And at 3.15, I heard very clearly inside, get up and turn on the TV. What? <laughs> I get to watch TV? <laughs> Are you kidding? You know, here I am. I'm focusing inside. I'm going to go into all of this. And all of a sudden they're saying, no, no, you can watch TV. Get up. Go watch TV. I go, okay. Not knowing why this is. So I turn it on and I'm going through the channels. You know how we do. Surf, surf, surf. And all of a sudden I come to the biography channel. And they have a biography on Adam and Eve. I don't know if it was autobiography, but it was a biography. <laughs> Actually, there is a book that is said to be a very ancient book, and it is the book of Adam. It's the book of his life. He is supposed to have dictated it from his deathbed about his life. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know. So they were talking about Adam and Eve, and they were talking about this other Eve that was before Eve, and her name was Lilith. They were talking all about this other woman in Adam's life. And she was defiant, and she was independent because she was made as Adam was made. And so she saw herself as equal. And she had a power. She had a power that she could use. They say it very clearly. This religious teacher at one of the schools, she says, Lilith decides to say the unspoken name of God. And as she says it, she dematerializes and becomes a spirit in the world. And goes on up and beyond it. And she even talks about the unspoken name of God and the power of it. That's what I'm talking about, is this unspoken name of God that is the power of the name that is given through the action of the Holy Spirit by someone who is holding 
that for you until you are ready. And when you are ready, those keys to the kingdom are given, and then it is up to you to use those keys for your own empowerment, for your own awakening, for your own enlivening of the spirit inside of you, that you live and dwell and become the God that you are, the Lord that you are, the child of God that you are. And stop living believing that you are the mind, the emotions, and all of this that is matter, and not you. And the tradition of the Sikh, the Sikh gurus would speak as the way. And they said that this was a universal teaching. This was not for just a few people. This was for all, but not all were ready. But it was for all to hear that when they were ready, they would know where to come. That's what we are doing here. This is a pathway that is available for all, and it is open to all, and we will share it with all. But not all are going to say, yes, yes, this is for me, this is what I want. Because they still may be more on the outer movement. And that is great. That is fine. That is wonderful. And we will be here to assist you in that as well, to help you understand what that is and what that looks like and how to live in a down and outward focus for your own growth and well-being. But we are ultimately here to assist those that are ready to walk this inner path, to receive these keys to the kingdom, and to begin to hold them dear inside by chanting them inside. That which we teach is a very simple technique in initiation. The initiation is an action of empowerment and an action of connection. But it isn't a connection between the teacher and you. It's a connection between God and you. It's a direct connection that is the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit that created is now bringing its creation home. And you are its creation. And it is bringing you home if you will allow it. But you have to allow it. It's your choice. You can choose to live down and out and just keep doing evolution, even if you really don't want to do it anymore, and even if it isn't for you to do it anymore, or you can choose to begin the path of involution and to come back inside and to let the Holy Spirit bring you home. So this practice starts by simply closing your eyes, going inside, and holding your attention to that higher place where the seat of the soul, where the soul, as a divine spark, rests within the mind at this level of beingness and matter, and holding your attention here, and bringing yourself focused here, and chanting the hue or the anti-hue, and begin to create that vibration stronger and stronger inside the power of the name. Now this is the spoken name. 
that you're using. It isn't the pure name. It is a spoken name, but it has a frequency to it. When you receive the unspoken name, they aren't even the power of the name. They are a poor reflection of the truth. But they're as close to the truth as you can get in this world. Ultimately, the truth is the Holy Spirit that acts as the sound current. Creation took place as light. And part of the element of light is sound. The action of return is sound. And a part of the element of sound is light. But this is outer light and outer sound. And this is inner sound and inner light. So we are now walking the path of inner light and inner sound. And the inner sounds that you begin to hear after and maybe before initiation are the true names of God that cannot be spoken. There is no way for you to say those sounds. There is no way that you can audibly make those sounds into this level. They are truly unspoken. So the names that are given to you in initiation are a poor reflection. But they begin to help you to create the focus and the frequency, the power of the name. And as you build it up more and more and more, what happens is all of that which is the spirit of you that has gotten entrapped in this body, entrapped in the emotions, entrapped in the mind, begin to shake and break free and be drawn up to the seat of the soul. And it's the power of the name that does that. Now, when you chant the power of the name, you begin to create a loving place where God can come and visit. And as you're building the power of the name, and all that is the spirit of you is drawn up here, you begin to look in and then up until all is drawn up here. And you are seated here at a place that is the seat of the soul. And then you look up once again. So you look in and up, and then you look in and up. And you find that there is an opening at this place. We have nine physical orifices in the body. And then we have a tent that is unseen. And it is through the tenth door that we travel spiritually. We come in to embodiment and we go out of embodiment. So it is that we can travel consciously in the body of spirit, in the soul body, and begin to have experience in the realms of soul and spirit and begin to truly know our divinity. You know, in the Bible, it says, if you wish to worship God, and this is Paul saying it, if you want to worship God, then worship God in the Spirit. 
because God is spirit. Don't worship God in the flesh. Worship God in the spirit. Well, how do you do that? i got a body. I don't have a spirit here. You go back up to where the spirit is and then travel as the spirit up into the realms of pure spirit and worship God in the spirit. Then you can come back down here, then come back into the physical body and get up and go do the day. So this sound current is an action of the Holy Spirit that begins to lift, that lifts you up out of this creation and back home to your own soul. And it is that action of the Holy Spirit that is going to draw you in as well as draw you up. But first, you have to draw yourself in and up by sitting down and closing your eyes and giving yourself time and attention. You don't sit down and close your eyes and then start daydreaming or start fantasizing or start thinking about your checkbook. You begin to hold your focus here and hold your attention on God. Now, I often say when I talk that when I pray, when I meditate, I say, I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord. And I had somebody come up and say, so is that what I do? And I said, no, that's not what I'm really doing. When I'm chanting Hugh or Anti-Hugh or the unspoken names of God, as I'm doing that, inside, I am loving God. I am loving God. And then I stop chanting inside and I listen and I listen for the voice of God that still small voice within which is the sound current God calling me home and I will hear the sound current come in and if you practice this you will hear you will feel or you will see the sound current come in and that sound will begin to lift you up and out through the tenth door and on through all the lower regions up to soul. And you will then merge with your own soul and know yourself in the fullness of yourself. And then you will look up again and go, now let's go for God. So this pathway, even though I say that there's one and only, it sounds exclusive, it sounds like we're it, but we're not it. The Holy Spirit is it. And this is an action of the Holy Spirit for the return. It has in many different languages. It has many different names. It has many different ways of practicing. And it has many different outer qualifications or things that you have to do to fulfill yourself, to meet and get initiated. But ultimately, it's always the same. It's the name of God and the sound and the light that take you home. And in truth, the outer has nothing to do with it. They are disciplines. They are practices. They are things that will serve you. And you are drawn there because they will serve you. As I've said before, we each have our shepherd. 
And ultimately, we will find that shepherd. And that shepherd will call us out of the pen and lead us home. Well, this lower creation is the pen. This is the pen that the sheep are held within. Ultimately, the shepherd will come and say, let's go home, guys. You, my flock, let's go home. Let's go home. And what happens is those sheep will go out of the gate and begin their walk out to the green pastures. Well, this is the gate. Straight is the path and narrow is the gate and few there are that enter in. This is a pretty narrow little gate. You can't even see it. It's invisible. We will do a lot in the outer through the senses to please ourselves and to live through ourselves through all these different orifices that we have in the physical. But we aren't aware of this one, so we don't really look to this one for the pleasure that is here. There's a greater pleasure than any sensual pleasure there is. And once you taste of the nectar, once you have eaten of the fruit of this vine, once you have drunk of these waters, you will no longer thirst, you will no longer hunger, you will no longer long for anything. And the mind itself will go, okay, okay, you win. I kind of like that. But at first it will go, are you crazy? You know, let's put something in our mouth. Let's not focus up there. But once it has tasted of this, it will go, yeah, yeah, we'll eat later. Come on, let's sit down and meditate. Let's go inside. That's pretty good. I like that. So I hope that this talk tonight kind of clarified a little bit that this pathway is not about the masters of hierarchy or angels. Even though we ask you to read The Staff of the Shepherd and the biggest part of that book is all about that, it's really giving you an insight as to who you are and what you've been doing in the world and where you've been focusing. We're actually rewriting the book at the very end. In the last chapter, it talks more about this inner path that I just talked about tonight. So be aware of the outer and love it and honor it and even use it to your advantage. Now, how can you use that? Well, there are angels out there and they will come if you call upon them, especially when you have the power of a name. And that's part of this, is that you want to be careful with how you use the power. It is a power. But the angels are there to beckon call whether you have that power or not. You have the power. You have it because you are the name of God. You are the name living here as a divine spark. So if you just look up and say, I, as a living child of God, ask my parking angel to give me the best parking place in that lot as I pull up to the store, you'll find that it works. <laughs> but you do find that you can use the outer for your betterment as well, but in a different way.